Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. Today we have the GHSA Boys Basketball Final Four Preview. Before we get into that, have to touch on the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase, March 17th at Gainesville High School, an opportunity for players to ascend over to the Gainesville area get some skill work done break down into teams get some gameplay uh, have some college coaches hopefully in attendance we'll have media members such as myself we'll have videographers photographers all that good stuff another opportunity to get a little bit of exposure before travel ball season officially tips off the boys will start at 4 p.m and go till around 8 p.m more information on sandyspiel.com March 15th is the deadline to register. So let's get into the Final Four preview. Out of the Elite Eight, I got 23 out of 32 right, 72%. Not the best, but a lot of upsets this time of year. And a lot of upsets, quote-unquote, I guess you could say, coming on the road. We are seeing that home court advantage still does matter. But in Class 7A, We were able to select four of four correctly on March 2nd, Saturday at Georgia State at 3 p.m. We will see Wheeler, a 62-57 winner over Campbell. Campbell tried to come back in this game, made it interesting, made it close, made it competitive all throughout, but ultimately fall to Wheeler, who now sees McEachern, a 72-57 victor over Norcross. Wheeler, again, always tough to beat this time of year. It feels like the more and more uh, momentum they get, the deeper they get into the postseason, the tougher they are to beat. It becomes a snowball effect. McEachern will have to play very well. Ace Bailey, of course, had a monster game against Norcross and will have to try and do so again against a Wheeler team that has improved. It feels like each and every week into the season, now sitting there at 25-5 and after Um, Maybe a small bit of a slow start to the season, but they have really found their groove. Josh Hill playing well inside. Um, L.A. Lewis has come on strong as well. You could list all the players, Coda Subtle, etc., etc. And then you got the Kennesaw State shooter. Ricky McKenzie will have to knock down shots against McEachin, but this all comes down to, you know Ace Bailey is going to get his against this Wheeler team. It's about who will step up beside him and you're talking about players like Jay Nash, a distributor. Uh, Jaden Bynes has hit shots throughout the season as well. Those guys are going to have to play big roles here. Um, it feels like Wheeler probably has more scoring options around uh, on that roster there. And Josh Hill, with his length inside the paint, uh, is going to have an advantage, height advantage against uh, McEachern. Um, but again, it just feels like McEachern with Ace Bailey, he's been unstoppable all season long. Uh, I feel like they've get, gotten to the Final Four. I'm going to stick with McEachern. They've been my initial pick to make it to the Final Four uh, with Ace Bailey, with that star power, with his ability to shoot out of double teams and rise and elevate over traps. I will be interested to see how both teams choose to defend one another because both teams do have that length. Will Ace Bailey, will he get drawn the assignment of having to Uh, defend Josh Hill and Spurts and vice versa because it feels like both those guys have the best bet 
of being able to contest one another's shot. But needless to say, uh, McEachin has been my pick from day one, and I will pick McEachin to make it to the state championship. Now on that right-hand side, March 2nd at 7 p.m. at Georgia State, it will be Grayson who put together a complete game, their best game of the postseason, considering the opposition at 87-59 winner over Peachtree Ridge. Jacob Wilkins really turning a corner uh, down the stretch here. Has played exceptionally well. They will see Milton, a 79-65 victor against Pebblebrook. Milton has seen Josh Dixon and Daniel Oganyemi and Anthony Goss provide some key offensive and defensive sparks throughout the season. Got some other key pieces that have stepped up and knocked down some threes and made things interesting. Um, Braxton Geisler, a, a big body, uh, will be an important piece in this game with his stretch-the-floor ability and ability to bang in the paint when needed. But again, Grayson, it feels like this is their year. Loaded from top to bottom, Jakari Harris has come up clutch already throughout the postseason, especially against Carrollton. Hit some tough shots downhill when that game was still hanging in the balance late in the third quarter. And then that backcourt of C.J. Highland and Anthony Alston and Amir Taylor, I think he could play a big factor inside. I just feel like Grayson's got more bullets in the chamber for this game. But Coach Whitehart, uh, again, when you look at all these coaches left in the Final Four, these are very good coaches that usually have uh, a ton of talent on their roster, but most of the time they do get a very good amount out of their roster, and they usually do play up to their ability, and you've seen that with Coach Whitehart. Once he got his team at full strength and were able to gel with one another, uh, Milton has not lost a game in a long time. So they will be prepared for this one, but I do feel like Grayson, uh, on paper, passed the eye test. It just feels like if it's ever Grayson's year to finally capture that elusive state title, it's got to be Grayson this year, and I don't have the heart to choose against them in any of these matchups. So I am going with the Rams to top a Milton team that has really uh, hit their hot streak and are playing exceptionally well. But Grayson, with the totality of the season, it, it, it feels hard to choose against the Rams. On to Class 6A, we had three out of four games correctly selected. A couple of these quote-unquote Cinderella stories came to an end. March 2nd, Saturday at West Georgia at 3 p.m., the defending state champs, Alexander, back in action after topping Grovetown 62-47. They will see Woodward Academy, a 51-42 winner over Douglas County. We got that one wrong. Uh, Woodward went on a 12-0 run to close the game and finally put away Douglas County after D.C., I believe, entered the fourth quarter with a lead but ran out of gas, and the four seed was finally eliminated. So Alexander versus Woodward Alexander. Of course, we mentioned Alan Stoddard getting injured a couple rounds back and has not been able to play, but you still have Braden Liu, you still have Gregory Dunson, and you still have Jermaine Freeman and a bunch of other very solid role players, and they have handled their business. Woodward Academy, of course, they have some really good players in their own right when they're all clicking with that backcourt of Zach Foster and Brandon Peters and Deke Cooper at the wing position, Miles um, Harvey. That's a, a good, talented lineup, a good, strong roster. Um, 
but I am concerned about what Woodward Academy will be able to do with Braden Lou if they're not able to keep him away from the basket. And even if they do keep him away from the basket, uh, he can really fill it up from the mid-range, can shoot the three, and just can create off the dribble as well. I think Alexander, uh, they've passed a couple tough tests here, uh, I guess namely really just that Grovetown game. Um, but they've cleared these hurdles. They fought through some adversity with that injury, and I, I feel like it will take a uh, almost a Herculean effort for Woodward or pretty much anybody to beat them this time of year because they are really uh, honed in on repeating as state champs. And I think it's going to be tough for Woodward uh, to stop Alexander. Um, but Woodward, they do have firepower. They do have some individually strong defensive players, especially Foster on the perimeter. I like his length, and I think he's able to poke away some steals and get some live ball turnovers. Um, but I do think it's going to be challenging, and I do think Alexander – they do have the best player on the court this time of year, and they might even, you could arguably say, have the second best player on the floor uh, with Pops Dunson, and I think that's going to be enough for Alexander to top a Woodward team um, that has shown some uh, maturity in the postseason and has gotten to the Final Four, but I do think Alexander gets back to the state title game. Next up on Saturday at 7 p.m., the University of West Georgia Jonesboro, 62-51 winner over Langston Hughes. Cardinals had a packed house there at the nest, and they were able to uh, hold off Langston Hughes and led that game by double digits for a vast majority. And now they will see Riverwood, a 70-64 winner over Woodstock. Finally, that four seed that is much better than a four seed and has been ranked in the top ten all year. Uh, put to bed a great run from Woodstock and went on the road and won that game. So now you have Jonesboro, tough nose, a lot of football players, defensive-minded team. Coach Dan Mailman's won state titles in the past versus Coach Buck Jenkins. Riverwood, a team that wants to score a lot, can outscore opponents at a high level. They've scored 87 points, they've scored 95 points, and they were held to 70 points, but still enough to win. Karis Bilal and J.R. Leonard, the two uh, heads of the snake there, two big-time scores. Um, but Jonesboro has a really good one in their own right, and Montez Redding and then his little brother Cortez Redding has come on strong, and you've seen Chris Jones provide some athleticism and explosion around the rim, even though they don't have a ton of size here. Um, if Jonesboro is able to turn this one into a, a, a knockdown, drag him out, physical, who wants it more fight, I am going with Jonesboro. If this game is free-flowing and who has maybe the more overall up-and-down basketball skills and so on, shot-making and shot-making. Um, I think Riverwood has two shot-makers. I think Jonesboro, they have one uh, very good shot-maker, two versus one. Uh, I think Bilal and Leonard, if they get hot, if those two guys can both score over 20-plus points, I think Riverwood will be in good shape. But Jonesboro plays good defense. They play really hard. I'm going with Jonesboro to beat Riverwood here. Just a program that has been there, has done that before. Um, and again, I feel like the two best basketball prospects on the floor belong to Riverwood, but toughness matters this time of year. And I think Montez Redding is a very good basketball player that could go play at the next level if he wanted to, if he wasn't signed to play football. I'm going to go with Jonesboro to beat Riverwood, and it's going to be a really fun matchup because uh, Jonesboro is going to make this a, a physical game and try and lean on their defense. But Montez Redding, I think he breaks free. He hits a couple threes, and I do think he gets some help from others on that roster. And the Cardinals make it to the state championship game. 
on and you know really during a season where it felt like uh, maybe it wasn't meant to be they dropped out of the top 10 for a little bit in the middle of the season but they have most definitely found their form and I like the Cardinals to get past a high octane offense in Riverwood in class 5a you know, doing these rankings all throughout the season, there were so many teams with winning records, and it was just a real jumble of trying to fit teams into the top 10. You can never know who to really pick because there are a lot of deserving teams and a lot of sparkling records. And to no surprise, after a 14 of 16 in the first round, 7 of 8 in the second round, um, just 1 of 4 in the Elite Eight, it finally crumbles because so many of these teams evenly matched, and we really saw the parity and the uh, the great basketball in the Elite Eight, uh, where we got only one game right. A couple losers that I got wrong here on that first game on the top left-hand side. Eagles landing a 66-51 winner. They go to Tri-Cities and take it to the Bulldogs in a you know a, somewhat of a heated rivalry the past couple years. These two teams have always hooked up in the state championship game. Comes earlier this year in Eagles landing, getting... Big performances out of Dwight Brown and Chris Morris. They will now see on Friday at 3 p.m. at West Georgia, Maynard Jackson fell to the four seed. They top Tucker 77-69. to Again, Maynard Jackson uh, battling through that adversity. They lost all those players during that kerfuffle late in the season. They haven't had their big Kennesaw State commit or signee all season long after an early injury, but Maynard Jackson continues to roll. Just a good, strong team. They're coming out of that really tough Region 5. Uh, they end up being the last Region 5 team standing, which uh, tells you something considering that they fell to the 4 seed but really rebounded, and they've had to win some tough games on the road. They've been road dogs, road warriors all season long, but they beat they're able to top Tucker. They get big performance from Cam Dover and company. And now they will see Eagles landing. And again, two teams that are obviously on hot streaks right now. Uh, I feel like a lot of these games feel like toss-ups this time of year. Um, I would probably lean towards Eagles landing. Um, but Maynard Jackson... I think they have a great shot at winning this game. I think Cam Dover is going to be a key factor in this one. Um, Cam Dover versus maybe Dwight Brown as far as the two long, um, tallest players, it feels like, for both of those rosters. The guard play, uh, Yusuf Bauer can really stroke it. I keep saying that if he gets really hot. I think Maynard Jackson has a couple better shooters on the roster than East or um, than Eagles Landing does. So if they're able to get some clean looks and hit some shots, Donovan Thomas, one that I, I think is a, a key factor, and um, Cassius Watkins as well, getting downhill more so. Uh, but they do have some really nice wing players that do the dirty work and really provide toughness for the Jaguars. And when you look at Eagles Landing, you know that's a team that plays exceptionally hard. They're go, go, go with Bobby Bugs and Clark Maston, who's going to Hampton, Sydney, who I think is a terrific guard, really sets a tone and plays with a lot of energy. I can promise you this, both teams are going to play ridiculously hard, and that's usually the MO this time of year when you see good teams, but uh, Eagles Landing has really been built on athleticism and toughness and um, just 
scrapping and clawing for the full 32 minutes, and I know they're going to bring that to the table. And Maynard Jackson, they're no slouch in their own right. They dive on loose balls, and they really turn it up and get after you. I'll go with Eagles Landing because that's, again, a program that's been there and done that before. Um, but really, don't be surprised if you see um, this game going either way. I think it's an evenly matched game. Um, I'll go with Eagles Landing here um, due to the experience, but Maynard Jackson is very, very good and very, very capable of winning this game. Right-hand side, a 7 p.m. tip-off on March 1st at West Georgia. It will be Warner Robins. No, Warner Robins eliminated 66-64 in a great game by Winder Barrow. Winder Barrow, after falling to the two-seed in Region 8, losing to Clark Central, they have righted their wrongs. Big win over Mays by 14 points. They blow out North Springs by 21, and now they slip past Warner Robins 66-64. A very impressive run for the Bulldogs. But now they see Kell, the defending state champ, 60-46 to winner over Dutchtown. Kell has just been so impressive. Other than a blowout win over Dalton, they've toppled the two biggest teams, I think, in this classification, beating Chapel Hill 75-63, beating Dutchtown 60-46. to And I think Kell is not going to have issues with Winder Barrow. A great season for Winder Barrow, but this Kell team has just been on a whole nother freaking level this year. Um, with C.J. Brown and Chris McLavish and um, Cologne knocking down those outside shots as well. Uh, they just have so many pieces to turn to. They are so tough, this Kell team. Um, Cannon Richards provides that springy athleticism inside that has been able to match teams that might have a little bit uh, taller of a roster. Um, this Kell team is just built to repeat. And, and if you get Jalen Cologne and you got – Connor Staff Lars knocking down some outside shots and other pieces. Well, Kell is super tough to beat. I think if you're Winder Barrow, you're looking for Jaron Samuel to really plant his flag as a D1 prospect. He's going to have to have a strong game. Jaden Baskin uh, battling with Richards underneath the basket and Tyron Sims, a veteran as well. Um, but I'm telling you, Kell is really, really good. I'd be very surprised if anyone beats Kell. I think Kell, right now with the form they're in, you could argue that they're maybe a top three team in the entire state and that could play with anybody and that includes the Graysons and the Wheelers and the whoever's of the world. Kell is playing that well right now and I think Kell is going to be able to stop a very good Winder Barrow team to make it back to the state title game. Class 4A, a wild, wild night in Class 4A. Um, three out of four games we were able to select correctly. Let's start on that left-hand side. March 2nd at 3 p.m. at Fort Valley State. It will be Baldwin, a 58-48 winner against Westminster, topping the, a little bit of a Cinderella, if you want to call them that. But Baldwin gets the job done, advances to the Final Four. They will see North Oconee, a 78-58 winner against New Hampshire. That game was tight throughout, pulled away in the fourth quarter and late third quarter there. Um, so North Oconee rolling into the Final Four. I'm going with North Oconee in this game. They have just been so impressive. They played in one of the toughest regions in the state in Region 8, a team, a region that put two teams into the um, Elite 8. Um, they beat Love at 71-49. They beat Carol, Central Carrollton 91-66, and they beat a good New Hampshire team 78-58. They're rolling right now. I feel like they have had a, a tougher, they definitely have had a tougher run in the postseason compared to what Baldwin's done. 59-54 over Southeast Bullock, 66-46 over Riverdale, who was a three seed, and then they beat Westminster by 10. 
North Oconee, this is their year to make some noise. I feel like they're outside shooting. They just have so many options. They do a good job of controlling the paint with Kamari Brooks and Evan Montgomery inside. I think they'll have an advantage there against Baldwin. Where Baldwin will have the advantage, it feels like they will most certainly be uh, more athletic uh, with their guards. I mean, Trey Lawrence, a really good outside shooter and overall score, but they have that explosive athleticism in Karez Demery and Isaiah Dennis, a good scorer as well. So Baldwin, they do have some firepower in the backcourt, but North Oconee can rain threes on you with Justin Wise, Justin Payne, Bird Carter, so crafty at getting to the basket and does a good job actually blocking shots defensively. Um, North Oconee, it just feels like they're a freight train with a full head of steam right now, and Baldwin's going to be tough as nails. Uh, They're going to bring the entire city of Milledgeville uh, to Fort Valley State, but North Oconee, uh, they're going to travel like crazy, and that fan base, they're always getting in opponents' heads, and you saw it at the end of the New Hampstead game where it got uh, a little scary um, as far as what could have gone wrong. Um, but North Oconee is really tough. I just feel like they're a complete team here, and I think they're going to have that size inside, and they're just going to have so many options to score the ball, and they're going to put the end to a great Baldwin season. And uh, I know Baldwin, it's not often that they're considered an underdog, so I think they're going to relish this that they're being picked against and um, use that as motivation. But North Oconee just feels like the complete team here, and I think North Oconee makes it to the state championship game. On the right-hand side, the one game we got wrong here, Benedictine wins in overtime, 65-58 at home against Seconder. Seconder had a chance to win this at the end of regulation with .8 seconds left and missed a pair of free throws. Seconder nearly had that game won after coming back in the fourth quarter. But Benedictine survives, and now I think Benedictine uh, runs into a buzzsaw. And Holy Innocence, a 63-49 winner against Whitewater. You know Benedictine's going to play that Five-in, five-out defense for offense. Tough-nosed, um, you know, defensive-minded game uh, with LaDon Bryant, the big football commit wide receiver, and a couple other tough-nosed guys, EJ Washington, and then, of course, uh, the scoring machine, Caleb Jones. He's going to have to go for 30 in this game. But Holy Innocence uh, with the top player, arguably the best prospect in Georgia, I guess right behind Ace Bailey, but not too far behind, and Caleb Wilson is 6'10" do everything 611 player um benedictine's not going to have an answer for him and i do think they have enough good pieces around him um namely devin hutcherson the sophomore has been really good and has really stepped up in the postseason can put points on the board in a variety of way so you have him you also have will hopkins a veteran uh Holy Innocence, I just think they have the superstar player with that size and skill and they're just going to be too tough and they're going to uh, find ways to make this game uh, go into their advantage. And I'm sure Coach Mays, you know, he's always done a really good job of mixing up defenses. Uh, they're going to have a game plan for Caleb Jones. I think Jones still gets his points in this game for Benedictine because he's that great of a score. Um, but I just do think Caleb Wilson at the end of the day is going to be that 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 trump card, that, that star player that Benedictine just physically – and even skill-wise, just they're not going to have an answer for this five-star player here. I think Benedictine will make it interesting with their style of play and their defense and that three-point shot if it's dropping for Caleb Jones. But uh, holy innocence, I like them to win this game and to advance on to the state championship. 
There will be plenty of juicy storylines in Class 3A, two out of four. We got right, top left-hand side, March 2nd at 3 p.m. at Savannah State. Remember where we're playing at, Savannah State. Sandy Creek crushed Monroe 75-44, getting big performances from that upperclassman. That senior class played very well. And now they will see Carver, Columbus, a 76-53 winner over Hart County. They pulled away late using their athleticism and Tony Montgomery with a big game. I like Sandy Creek in this one. Uh, Carver went 0-5 against Monroe and also Doherty this season. Two great programs. And Sandy Creek just beat Monroe by 31 points. Not to say that those scores always dictate what you're going to see in the playoffs because, goodness gracious, I've learned that that really does not matter. But Sandy Creek, I just think it's just a whole nother class. What Micah Smith and Amari Brown and all those guys, just a different level of how good they have been this season. Senior, t- all trying to go and repeat as state champs. I think Sandy Creek wins this one. I just think they're going to be too powerful and they're going to be able to match any athleticism that Carver has on the table and they're going to top it with their athleticism, their skill, and their size. So I'm going with the Patriots to beat Carver. And now on the right-hand side, we got both these games wrong. The home team won both of these matchups. Johnson defeats Hebron Christian 57-50. Fabian Kirkwood, I have continued to harp on him during these podcasts saying this kid is definitely a player. And again, you saw it against Hebron uh, with what he was able to do, having a big performance Uh he finished with, let's see, 27 points, was it, off the top of my head? Uh, he went out and provided 27 points and seven rebounds. And then he's been able to see other players step up as well. You know, Josh Quarterman had 13 points. You can expect that from the region player of the year. But Kamari Jones has 13 points. And then even in the last round, you saw Caden uh, Davis really provide a spark offensively. Uh, so everything's cooking for Johnson right now. Going on the road, beating Cross Creek, and now getting the home game and out-toughing Hebron in that win and surviving a strong uh, end to Blake Wilson's career over there at Hebron. But now they will see March 2nd, 7 p.m. They have a home game at Savannah State. They see Doherty, a 71-64 winner over Douglas, who Douglas, outside of Sandy Creek, probably the most impressive team physically and athletically speaking with their size and just how they're able to play, and they got some tough-nosed kids that all hustle, and, well, it doesn't matter. Bakari Bryant, again, just getting the job done. Doherty, every single year with Bakari Bryant, they play their best basketball at the right time, and now it is a mentor versus mentee. Coach Chuck Campbell used to be an assistant, I believe, uh, with Mr. Bakari Bryant when they were at Jenkins together contending for state titles. So these guys, uh, both on that same coaching tree, uh, also even Coach Yaudan on the assistant staff for Johnson, again, studied and tutelage under Coach Bakari Bryant. So these two guys, two of the best coaches in the area, I guess you see it every single year, even though uh, Bakari no longer in the Savannah realm but has turned Doherty into a power, and now they meet up in Johnson. This will be a home game for the Adams Smashers. It is going to be a raucous crowd. Um, Again, they have found their grit and guile, and Fabian Kirkwood has ascended once the postseason has begun. He has really 
Uh, it almost feels like he's become their their go-to guy alongside Josh Quarterman. Uh, but he's been great. But Doherty, I feel like, again, the totality of the work, it feels like um, they've been impressive this year. They can put points on the board. they got athlete Markel Jones, Jion Burns, and everyone. This is going to be a knockdown, drag him out, uh, white-knuckle ride all the way to the finish line. There's going to be a lot of huge KO punches being thrown and uh, we'll see who lands at first, but I'm going to go with Doherty, which means I would be picking against Johnson for the one, two, third consecutive round, and that has not fared too well for me. Uh, Coach Campbell has those kids play and run through a brick wall for them, and uh, I think the Adam Smashers will be prepared for this one. But Doherty, um, if if anything matters, I mean, you look at how well Region 1 has done in the postseason, even though... Uh, Monroe was picked off by Sandy Creek. You see Carver is in the Final Four, and Carver was never able to beat uh, Doherty. But I'm going with Doherty in this one. It's going to be a great matchup, great X and O's. Almost uh, the, the the matching of wits on the sideline uh, is going to be equally as entertaining as what you're going to see between the lines. But Doherty is my pick. I think they're really good. And Johnson is red hot right now believing and playing well but Doherty will be my pick in this game it will be a challenging matchup essentially a home game for Johnson here but I will go with Doherty to survive and escape Savannah State class 2a treated me well we were four for four on these picks March 2nd 3 p.m at Georgia College and State of course I will be on the broadcast for these games Butler defeats South Atlanta 51-47. And now Butler sees Toombs County, a game that I was at. Toombs County uh, really took it to Athens Academy from the opening tip, 67-41. They were up 18 points at halftime. Toombs County is very good. That was my pick. Once they beat Thompson, I said whoever wins that game, it feels like they're going to be an odds-on favorite to make it to the Final Four, and that was exactly what happened. Um, they're good. They're big. They're athletic. Uh, Dominic Eason had some ridiculous dunks. You know, they they throw that backdoor lob to him. He tears down the rim. They, you know, Jesus Quintero uh, loves throwing off the backboard alley oops. He threw one in traffic in transition, and Eason caught it and dunked it on someone. Um, so they're just uber impressive, but the most impressive thing was they hit 10 threes against the Athens Academy zone, and Quintero hit six of them and finished with 22 points, and that was a big factor here. If they're getting some outside shooting and some scoring along the perimeter and they're able to you know, use that defense to get baskets in transition, Toombs is tough, and there's not a lot of teams that are going to be bigger or more athletic than Toombs County in this classification. Obviously, uh, if Toombs wants to win a state title, they're likely going to have to run the gauntlet of maybe beating three uh, Augusta area region four schools at the very least two of them because they have to see Butler in this next round. But the one thing I will say for Toombs, uh, if it's a close game, they, they have to be smart, especially Quintero. You can't always throw the ball off the backboard for alley-oops because Butler's going to have some athletes that can go like Roosevelt Brown. They're, they can go up and steal that off the backboard. So you do have to be smart. Sometimes they can be a, 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 a slight bit flashy. 
especially with trying to get the ball to Eason. But uh, two, Quintero's defense, uh, he has such a great synergy uh, with Dominic Eason. And the best way to get the ball to him is oftentimes just throw it as high as you can because no one else can get up there. Uh, I will say Eason is the best athlete I've seen in the state of Georgia. Um, possibly the best I've ever seen in my eight, nine plus years of doing this. Uh, ridiculous what he is able to do in the air. And that really says a lot because we've had some terrific players and terrific athletes. But uh, he is elite as elite goes. He is a, you know, an NBA caliber athlete. Uh, but Butler, Butler's tough nose. They're going to get after you. Um, Chaz Clark was the region coach of the year uh, this year, stepping in at Butler. But Roosevelt Brown has been the guy, their go-to guy, the first-team all-region selection. Um, Quamaine Bridges, a second-teamer. Marcus Scurry Jr. on the second team and on that all-defensive team. You see Scurry and Brown as well. Uh, again, this will be a, a really tough game, um, but I think Toombs, I'm, I'm – I picked Butler to originally make it to the state title game, but I had that um, had them beating Thompson in the Final Four. But I think I'm going to switch it. I'm going to go with Toombs. If Toombs is able to knock down some outside shots, as they did against Athens Academy, now I don't foresee them or expect them to hit 10 threes, um, but if they're getting some offense from those guards, namely Quintero hitting those outside shots, even Mike Polk had a couple points here and there. If those guards are able to handle pressure, which I think they did a nice job against Athens Academy when they went to the press, but if they're able to handle pressure, not turn the ball over, uh, not you know give out give up runouts to Butler or anybody they see the rest of this postseason, I, I think that is a recipe for success. Now in the half court, they're not necessarily going to beat you off the dribble and score, but they can knock down threes. They run good sets. And if they're able to exploit Eason with his athleticism, whether it's in the post up, whether it's a backdoor lob, whether it's a seal on the backside and throw the lob over the top where he catches it and comes down with it for a finish, um, I think Toombs could be in business. And again, Parker Stanley, just a big athletic body. Marion James uh, did a really good job. And Demetrius Cutler, uh, he, he double-doubled. He had, what, 12 points and 15 rebounds in this game and filled up the stat sheet, a guy that can sometimes go a little unsung. I like Toombs County to beat Butler. I think they have the athleticism that matches that region four, and they have the size, and they have some shooters. It's a nice overall blend that the Bulldogs have. This is their first time making it to the Final Four, I believe, as a school under the name Toombs County and not Lions. Uh, I like the good times to continue to roll. It's going to be tough. I'm excited to watch this matchup. Um, but Toombs County, that is my pick. I just really like what they do defensively. They're tough. They're gritty. And with those outside shots, if they are falling, Toombs is going to be tough to beat. Right-hand side, 7 p.m. at Georgia College on Saturday. It will be West Side, a 78-40 winner over Model. They blew them out of the water. They will see Columbia, who was able to stomp a young but talented Southwest Macon team, 55-34 going on the road to beat Southwest Macon. So these two teams, they hook up. Again, these two teams played in the Final Four last year, a game that went down to the wire, a game that I was fortunate enough to call and was able to witness. And the one thing that stands out to me in this game was that Columbia only made one jump shot the entire game. It was 55-52, Westside won. Now, rosters are a lot different here. 
Uh, Columbia has picked up some pieces that can shoot the ball a little bit better from the perimeter now. You got Quay Wallace, Tamar Mann, both about six foot five wings, but they can shoot from the outside and open up the defense. Uh, and I think that's going to be big for Columbia if they want to win this game. And then uh, Travion Callaway, he's a, a speedy guard. He is comfortable at playing at a quick pace. He is going to have to play a big role in winning this game for Columbia. They do not want to fall to Westside yet again. Uh, but Callaway, what happened last year against Westside, he didn't play his best game. He had just four points. I expect him to play much better this year. And then looking across the way at Westside, their returning players, um, you saw DeMarco Middleton have a strong game with 13 points, four rebounds, and five assists. I expect him to play well uh, in this one. And then you've just had all those key young pieces. Jarius Atkinson has really torn down the rim and been a highlight maker. Javen Webb can jump out of the gym. Um, just a really good team and a, a, a very good on-ball defensive team, and they're electric in transition. I'm going with West Side here to make it back to the state title game for a third consecutive year. I think Columbia definitely has the roster uh, to compete with them. And like I said, I feel like they have more uh, perimeter skill this year than last year. So if they can hit some outside shots, uh, they can make this game fun. And I do think they definitely have the athletes that can match up with West Side, even though maybe West Side is uh, more skilled vertically speaking as far as their um, quickness in the air. But I think Columbia does have some guys that can go uh, sideline to sideline and baseline to baseline that can compete with Westside. But I am going to go with the Patriots to top Columbia. And again, what should be a knockdown, uh, drag them out battle. But if this game is high scoring, I think that tends to favor Westside. An interesting night in Class A Division One. We went four for four. These games will be played on Friday at Georgia College and State. The 3 p.m. matchup is the first one we will talk about. Paideia, a 69-54 winner over Pelham. And now they see Savannah, 53-49 winner over Darlington. Darlington held a nine-point fourth-quarter lead. Makai Joyner got hurt for Savannah, was on crutches. It's, from what it sounds like, he might not be playing, and that's Savannah's best player, might not be able to go in the final four, and that would be a big blow. But either way, Savannah uh, came back from down nine points, started ramping up the pressure, uh, getting a lot of steals, living at the foul line with a lot of whistles, full court press, uh, really just overwhelmed and succumbed uh, a Darlington team that was in control. But then uh, everything went haywire, and they just couldn't get the benefit of the call down the stretch. And Savannah really ramped up their pressure and was able to take it uh, to Darlington to end a great season from the Tigers. Uh, now, Savannah versus Paideia. Savannah was my original pick, but if Makai Joyner is not 100% healthy, I, I I can't in good faith uh, pick a team that is missing their best player. It will be interesting to see what his status is. Sound like it might have been an ankle injury. Um, Savannah needs all their pieces this time of year because now you're seeing a Paideia team that can match you athletically. Oh, most certainly they can. Paideia, even though they are primarily sophomores and they start a freshman point guard, uh, Paideia is coming from the toughest region in the state, which you see it. You see three Region 6 teams in the Final Four yet again. It's no surprise. We were all over that. That's just what it is. That's the best region in the state, and they're going to beat a lot of these teams from uh, you know, the rural and outskirts of the area of the state of Georgia. It's just very concentrated and very much 
a, a, a juggernaut of a region with the, all these private schools in Region 6. But with that being said, um, Savannah is going to have to find some players to step up uh, if Makai Joyner is indeed out with that injury. Of course, you got Deshaun Davis able to alter shots, the defensive player of the year in Region 3. Expect him to block some shots. You need your Monta Brown to knock down some jumpers. Jermaine Edwards brings that physicality. Uh, underneath the basket, Sean Ruth was a second-team all-region pick. Ramon Anderson, all these guys, just list them off. Stephon Fox hit a big shot uh, during this game. Uh, but Paideia will be my pick if Savannah is not at 100%. So give me some flexibility here. If Makai Joyner is somehow at 90% or 80%, I would go with Savannah here. But if he is dinged up, I am going with Paideia uh, with that that talented young group of C.J. Harper, who has some Division I offers, uh, he's able to score the ball. I think Frank Jackson, with his toughness, has about 6'3", 6'4", wing, but he plays in the interior. I think he will play a key role here. I'm talking about David Oglesby. Um, Smith, uh, a very good baseball player, but a really good basketball player as well with some length that can knock down some shots, rebounds. The list goes on and on. They have a lot of key factors, key pieces, got some veterans on this roster as well that kind of mix in nicely uh, for Paideia. I'm going to go with Paideia to beat Savannah if Savannah is not at full strength and if Makai Joyner cannot go. So Paideia is my pick. I think they can match up well with Savannah. On the right-hand side, again, they'll be played at 7 p.m. at Georgia College on Friday. Mount Pisgah goes to Bluckley County and secures a victory, 66-55. The road team, they are just 14 and 17 overall now. Mount Pisgah, they've been on the road every single year or every single round. But O'Neill Connolly has rounded back into form. He had a big performance or a strong performance at least uh, this last round, and he's getting better and better as he returns uh, to shape the Montevallo. Uh, Signy has played very well. Uh, you also got a big contribution from uh, Jackson Williams. I talked about him. I really like that sophomore wing. He had 21 points. Connolly had 19 points. And then it's balanced the rest of the way through. So Mount Pisgah tops Bluckley County. So now the four seed. We'll see the one seed in Mount Vernon. No surprise there. Uh, a powerhouse team that... We thought we'd get here. They won 73-57 against East Lawrence. Uh, K.J. Garris had a very big game in that one. So what happened the first time these two teams met? Mount Vernon was able to beat Mount Pisgah 69-43, but again, not at full strength there. Mount Pisgah is going to make this game much closer. Um, Mount Vernon, if they're them, they, they cannot have those bad flashbacks of seeing Kings Ridge and losing in the Final Four to Kings Ridge, they're going to have to um, really lock in because when you're talking about it, it, it does feel like a team that is somewhat similar. They don't shoot the ball as well as Kings Ridge did uh, last year, but Mount Pisgah does move the ball around. They can shoot those corner threes. They are athletic. They do get on the glass. Connolly's back a six-seven presence that provides inside and outside scoring. This will be a very competitive game, I can tell you that much. Mount Vernon is going to really have to strap up and play well in this one. I'm going to go with Mount Vernon just because they have been the best team in the state all year long. But Mount Pisgah, that is a scary team to play this time of year. Everything has come into place. They have all gelled at the right time. 
And Coach Jay Sloan has the Patriots believing they can make it back to Macon. Mount Vernon's my pick. Rarefied air. I don't think Mount Vernon's ever played for a state title, or at least hasn't since I've been covering the state. I'm going to go with them, but they are going to have to play well against a very familiar opponent. In Class A, Division II, we wrap up. we got two of four right. Home court advantage matters, folks. Top left-hand side, well, this entire left-hand side, we got both these games wrong as the home team found ways to win. 3 p.m., Fort Valley State on Friday. We'll see Manchester beating Calhoun County, a big shocker, 61-46. And now they see Warren County, 76-74 in overtime over Portal. Portal, the fact that that senior class never made it past the Elite Eight is absolutely mind-blowing. But Kusa Pender had 28 points and I believe hit a shot at the buzzer to stun Portal. So you have two unranked teams on the right or on the left-hand side matching up with one another. Just judging based on what we see here, Warren County has a, the best wins during their stretch in this postseason. 64-56 over Christian Heritage and then 76-74 over Portal. Manchester, what they were able to do. 61-46 over Calhoun County, like we just mentioned, and they beat Towns 72-58. Um, Warren County is more battle-tested, but again, you take these teams away from home court advantage, a lot can change. Uh, I'm going to go with Warren County to beat Manchester here just because they do have those two, um, I would say they those are better wins on paper, uh, so that is impressive. Uh, whether it was at home or not. But Manchester, they always have those football players. Darius Bryant's tough, uh, so on and so forth. They always got big bodies that can grind you. But, you know, really just looking at these two teams, like both these teams, um, and that's the reason why they weren't ranked. They had some pretty not good losses throughout the season. But you can throw that all throughout the window, all out the window now. All that matters is what is in front of you. And it is Manchester and Warren County. And Warren County is my pick to beat Manchester. On the right-hand side, we did not have surprises. Green Force, an 87-62 winner over MCA, McIntosh County Academy. And now they see Macon County, 69-53 winners over Clinch. And, you know, they they don't have that... 6'9", big boy inside like Charlton County had last year. And maybe they don't have a three-point shooter that hit almost 200 threes in the season uh, like Charlton did last year in Jarvis Wright. But if there was a team in Class A Division Two where at least it kind of looked like on paper uh, they could be that one upset team to give Green Force a game, which you know Green Force hasn't been played within 20 points yet in the postseason. It, it really does like they are trying to atone for their sins of last year, getting beat on that banked-in buzzer beater in the Final Four. Um, but Macon County, they're very tough. They're very physical. Frankie Reigns is averaging over 22 points per game. He's a spark plug point guard. You have Dontavious uh, Collier has some length, about 6'5 on the wing, averaging 19 points and 11 rebounds. And you have some other guys that are just physical and get after you. Uh, Eric Rice uh, provides that toughness in the backcourt. Got some strong football players. Um, Green Force is my pick here, but Macon County, they are going to play tough. They play very physical, tough-nosed defense. They can grab at you at times. It's going to be uh, very uh, important to see how this game's called. If this game's called very, very close, uh, that could be uh, a negative impact for Macon County. But if they let them play and they let these guys just go at each other and smash on each other and play uh, a really – 
uh, tough brand of defense, Macon County could win this one. I'm going with Green Forest just because, again, uh, they haven't been battle-tested like last year. Again, as I mentioned in the podcast last year, uh, Green Force had some close calls. Manchester did play them pretty tight. Uh, no one has really touched Green Force at all in the postseason yet. They won by 70, they won by 41, and then they just won by 25. But I will say this year's run compared to last year's run, this year's run has been uh, easier. You know, they beat Chattahoochee County, a 13-13 and 13 team. They beat Green County, who was 19 and nine when they met up with them in MCA, uh, a two seed. So they haven't seen a one seed yet in their state tournament run. And I think, uh, you know, they'll see one in Macon County, that's for sure. But Green Forest will be my pick, even though I do think Macon County, they, they do have a chance in this one. They certainly can win this game. But Green Forest is my pick. I just think they're too powerful with Elijah Lewis knocking down shots and Daniel Daramola patrolling the paint. So there you have it, folks. The Final Four preview is in the books. I will be in Georgia College this week calling Class 2A and Class 1A Division 1. But until next time, until the state championship preview, I will see you guys in the gym. Thank you for listening.